0: morning we are turning to the fifth commandment looking to exodus chapter 20 verse 12 there are in the 10 commandments essentially two tables first table of the 10 commandments would be the first four commandments which frame our uh, our relationship vertically with god the father The next six commandments, the second table, deal with our horizontal relationship with one another, relationships that very much flow out of the vertical. And so with that framework, um, we look to God's Word in Exodus 20. Before we turn to that, um, that verse, let me pray, asking the Lord's blessing. Father, <clears throat> You are our Father, and we pray that as we come to Your Word and, and explore its meaning for, for us, that, that You would grant us insight and understanding, that You would, through it, speak to our hearts, exposing our need and drawing us ever closer to Your fatherly care through Jesus Christ, and it is His name, in His name we pray, amen. Friends, this is the inerrant and infallible word of God. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. I remember fondly having young children in the home. Seems like it's been a long time ago. <laughs> and I remember when they were young how they needed naps and how we needed them to take naps and how they did everything within their power to avoid it. It's funny how times change, how they run to that nap now. I remember taking uh, our, our children uh, to, their, to their crib And later on to their bed, and commanding them to stay there for the appointed time to take a nap. You see, as I did that, I learned something. Uh, We learned something. You know, you can put a child in a room, and you can command them to stay, but you can't make them sleep. For them to take that step beyond the surface level obedience of staying in the room to a deeper inward obedience of resting takes something further. You know, there's an old saying, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That goes for horses, it goes for children. And it also goes for adults. Now with that, I want to make a quick minor point as we consider this text. You will note that there is no age limit on the fifth commandment. There's no age limit on who is called to obey it. And so now the more major point. Just as there is a difference between a child staying in their room and then submitting both body and mind to sleep, there is a vast difference between our surface-level obedience and the deeper call to honor father, mother, and authority. I remember a few months ago, I guess it was, we were preaching through Colossians, and we came to Colossians chapter 3, and, and we came to Colossians 3, 20, and, and the call for children to obey their parents, and I thought about that passage knowing that we would soon be coming to the Ten Commandments, and more particularly the Fifth Commandment, and thought about the difference between the two. Well, we come to that difference today. Colossians three twenty spoke to the young children, obeying. Young is removed from this command. And it's not strictly speaking a focus on obedience, but on honor and honoring. Now, to honor is not less than to obey. It instead gets to the very heart of our obedience. The word honor is an important word in the Hebrew language, kabod, It means to make weighty, to be heavy. It is a word that is used to refer to the glory of God. It is to to add value or great worth to someone. It is to make them weighty, to negatively not treat them lightly. So to honor is to revere. It's a call to an obedience of, of heart, of word, and of behavior. Now, look—the illustrations abound that capture the disconnect between our surface-level obedience and the honor that that is implied when we get to the heart level. But you all know those illustrations, and you know them from your own lives, so. I'll simply ask, how often, whether in heart, word, or behavior, have you treated your parents lightly? Now, let me broaden the question a little bit more. What is your heart for the God given authority structures over you more broadly? starting to get somewhere here, aren't we? As we think beyond merely father and mother, as we start to think about authority structures. You see, these commandments, as we've heard throughout the Ten Commandments and as we look forward, they expose the sinfulness of our hearts, and that is part of the point. But the Lord isn't doing that not merely to shame us, not even to shame us. Shame has no part in this. The exposure is meant to release. But you see, that release only comes as we turn our focus away from the shame that we are so uh, deeply uh, driven by. We turn instead to Jesus. And through this exposure and this directing, the Lord is using the commandments to shape us more and more into his likeness. The fifth commandment does all of this uniquely with this command to honor. That's the command, but but let's examine the context for this command. The fifth commandment speaks to every single person in here. Because every single person in this room as a child, there is no statute of limitations on the fifth commandment, nothing related to age. Though, there are differences in how we apply this commandment based on age. If we look throughout scripture, we see as early as Genesis chapter 2 and, and throughout the New Testament that there is a call for uh, for husband and wife to leave father and mother and cleave to one another, it's indicating that there is a there is a change in obedience, there is a change in focus, a change in union as we marry. But that does not merely uh, extend to the married adults, single adults who who move out of the home. I do believe that there is a um, that, there's there's a corollary application there that you are in a sense leaving father and mother in terms of obedience that obedience changes over time but the call to honor remains I'll also say that this call to honor is not without limits some of us here are broken Over our experience with father and mother. Some of us have deeply hurtful stories from our families of origin. And I know some of those stories as I know you, but I don't know all of them. We come here with brokenness, with hurt. Some of us have even been abused by father and mother. And if that is you, I want you to hear this, that your Father in heaven knows and sees all and he loves with an eternal love. Friends, if you are here today and you hear this call to honor father and mother and you hear that through this lens of brokenness, know your father in heaven, let me offer this invitation. The ministry of the word does not end when we declare the benediction at the end of the service. In many respects, the ministry of the word is just beginning at that point. The invitation is this. Your elders and your pastors are here, and we want and desire to walk alongside of you as we process this command in conversation. Don't go it alone. As you consider this command in light of your own story, come talk to me, come talk to Michael, come talk to your elders. So the context of this command, is the family, and the family of all ages. But the context of this command goes beyond merely talking about family. Uh, our, um, the, the Westminster Confession of Faith summarizes what we believe about biblical teaching and, and is one of the um, foundations of our theology and the confession is a series of questions and answers called the catechisms. And, and they talk about in one particular portion of the catechisms these, these commandments. The, the larger catechism, question 24, speaks to this command and, and tells us about the context of the command saying, Father and mother in the fifth commandment mean not only natural parents but, also, but all those set over us in age and gifts... And especially those who, by God's arrangement, are over us in a place of authority, whether in a family, church, or a nation. Look, When we, when we started this journey through the Ten Commandments, we, we tried to explain how we view the Ten Commandments biblically, that they are the principle behind which all of God's law is expounded. They are principial. And so the fifth commandment is the principle behind which we see all of God's word in relation to authority, authority structures, and authority figures. So not only are we to honor mother and father, but we are to honor those in a God-given position of authority over us. Those in authority are also called to respect those in the positions under them. Look, the, the New Testament it opens this up for us. We, we see in Colossians and Ephesians an unpacking of this commandment as it applies within the context of marriage. Moving then to the context of family. And then to the context of employment. And then in Romans... And in First Peter, we see it extended even to the governing authorities, whether we like to hear that or not. But notably, this, this instruction regarding authority begins in the family. Where we view authority is shaped by the way we experience authority within the family so parents I ask you how do you speak of authority within your own family because just like we said last week when we unpacked the fourth commandment our children are perceptive they hear what we say but they also see what we do they will be shaped in their view of authority by what they see in you and the way you approach authority. The way you approach authority will shape the way they look to others and their authority and it will shape the way they view your own authority over them. So practically, how are we to apply this this call to, to honor father and mother authority figures broadly well okay while there are no statutes of limitations regarding age in this commandment there are differing applications so young children let's just call it children of all ages under the authority of the home you honor your parents by obeying them but by, by listening to them and respecting them by obeying their commands. But you also honor them by your gratitude. Young children, your parents do their best, everything in their power to to feed you. They offer what you need. And they even, believe it or not, do their best to give you what you want. And the way that you show thankfulness to your parents, the way you express gratitude is a form of honoring mother and father. So, So children, obey and be grateful. But how about the older children? I'm not talking about the teenagers. I'm talking about the adults here. How are we to honor father and mother? Well, we've, we've talked about how that honoring is not strictly speaking a call to obedience. We're called to leave and to cleave. But yet, the call to honor continues, and it continues through respect as we, as we assign the appropriate level of weightiness to our father and mother. There's a lot of different applications to that, but one of them for us to consider, and one of them that I see so often in so many of you, is your care for them in their old age. There are so many in our congregation who right now are serving as caregivers for, for elderly parents and I'm humbled as I watch you serve your parents in that way and I want to encourage you as you do so that as you do you are obeying the fifth commandment 1st Timothy 5 verse 4 we read if a widow has children or grandchildren let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents for this is pleasing in the sight of God Paul there is is speaking to Timothy and by extension to all of the church about how we are to obey the fifth commandment as we consider our elderly parents, to to care for them as best we can, to to visit them. (laughs) Now look, this is not a one-size-fits-all application, but it is a principle for us to consider as we consider our aging parents. But lastly... Let me speak to parents and apply this to to parents in relation to your children, but not just to parents, to to all who are authority figures in in some shape, form, or fashion, whether it be the family, the church, or the community. Do you remember when we preached through Colossians chapter 3 and we, we spoke very clearly for the children to obey the parents, but we also read there and find it as well in Ephesians chapter 6. These words, fathers do not provoke your children. Scripture is telling us that an authority figure is to be a worthy authority figure. An authority figure is to to show respect to those under them, to treat them with dignity. And so doing, our children... Learn, respect by what they see in us. Look, this point was driven home to me recently in a unique way. Not too long ago, Anna celebrated a birthday. And um, I found, as we got ready in the weeks leading up to her birthday, I found a little treasure in, in my closet. Some old videos that we had taken... The kids when they were little babies. Oh, this is the, I'm about, I'm about to win the prize here. Took them and got them converted to a digital format and gave them to her for her birthday. And the night of her birthday, we sat as a, as a family and, and watched these videos. And they were great. Until we got to one. <laughs> you see, I had long forgotten what was on these videos. Until they started to unpack to play before me. It was a time when the kids were very young and Anna had gone away for a weekend. I believe she had gone for a retreat. And once again, I thought I would do a great thing and make a video for Anna with the kids. And that was before you spliced things together. You just took the camera out and videoed. You saw a progression throughout the day and different scenes as I had videoed the kids. But but eventually that evening daughter is smiling at me because she knows what's coming that evening I put the video camera down only I forgot to turn it off and the video camera was facing the wall but the sound was on recording everything that was taking place as we went about our time that night one of my children it's unimportant which one because the child was simply doing what children do, but this child tended to test the boundaries of authority. This child began questioning and, and challenging and, and repeating the challenges. And as the camera captured all of this, I heard my voice rising. The kids laughed. I didn't because I remembered times that were etched in my mind and I feared everything with everything in me that the sins of my past had been recorded for all to hear. The scene that played out was not the worst-case scenario, but it didn't need to be. Because for me my sin was recorded A sin of provoking. And it brought back this flood of memories of the ways in which I had failed this command. Look, my child got a glimpse into their own sin and it was intriguing and enlightening for that particular child. But it was also something that captured in my own heart the remembrance of my desperate need for a Savior. And also a sense of my gratitude that the Lord my God would work through my failures to even bless my children. Do you need a video playback in order to examine your own heart? Do you need a video playback to be able to explore the ways in which you might have used this command as a checklist to prove your obedience before the Lord or to see the ways in which you have failed, either to be respectful of parents or failed to show respect to your children? Probably not. For most of us, the Lord is gracious to not put us through that. Instead, He has given us the Word, and the Word of God is sufficient to draw us in to reflection. It give the Word access to your heart. No, that is part of the the therapy, the, the conviction that the Lord is taking us through as he takes us through these commandments. But not only does the Lord bring us through these commandments to cause us to reflect, he uses them to build anticipation within us. Because there is a command and there is a context, but there is also a conclusion. And the conclusion of this command is life abundant. Paul, in the New Testament, in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, he he says that this is the first commandment with a promise. And that promise is not merely for a quantity of days. Not merely that if you obey, you will live a long life. It's for a quality of days. Last week... When we look to the fourth commandment, we also opened up Deuteronomy chapter 5 to see how that helped us in our understanding of Exodus 20. Deuteronomy chapter 5 also gives us a bit of help as we look to the fifth commandment because there we see that the promise is that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Do you hear what the Lord is telling us? He's saying that it's not merely that we get long life, but that we get abundant life. Friends, we, we rightly preach grace from this pulpit. And I hope you hear the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ loud and clear. We rightly focus on grace, but do not miss this that with covenantal obedience comes covenantal blessing. Now I'm intentionally using the word covenantal in this reminder because promise comes first. The promise of God comes before our obedience. We heard that as Michael preached on on the prelude to the Ten Commandments, that redemption is the foundation for our obedience. Understand that with the promise of God, there is also a promise of blessing when we are obedient to the stipulations of that covenant. This is not an isolated instance of that promise. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28 expound in great detail what will be the The blessings and curses that will come upon the people of God dependent upon our obedience or disobedience to the covenant. And every one of those curses and blessings have come to fulfillment, have been experienced by God's people throughout redemptive history. The blessings will come to a final fulfillment in glory. We read of it in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, but this is not merely Old Testament stuff here. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 12 says this, finally all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind, do not repay evil for evil, for reviling or uh, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary bless Some of us have a hard time hearing this because we're so accustomed to hearing grace. Some of us have a hard time hearing that if we obey, there will be blessing, and if we disobey, there will be curses. And if that is you, if you have a hard time hearing this because you're confused in how it fits into grace, let me close by sharing a story. A story of where we see the intersection of blessing and cursing and grace all in the context of Of the fifth commandment. You've no doubt heard Michael and I speak much of the parable of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15. We speak so much of it because it is Jesus' parable to us that captures so much of the gospel for us in all of our various places. You may know this story. But for those of you who don't, Jesus put it before us. It's a story of, of a father with two sons. The youngest son was the prodigal son. The youngest son knew of his father's great wealth. And he wanted it instead of him. The youngest son came to the father and said, Give me my inheritance now. And in essence, the youngest son is saying, Father, I wish that you were dead. I don't want you. I want your money. It was the ultimate act of dishonor. The ultimate act of breaking the fifth commandment. But the father, he granted the wish. He died to the son. He gave him his inheritance and the son went off to a far off country and continued this pattern of sinful living and disobedience and ultimately found himself destitute and living in a pig pen. Now some would hear that uh, that parable and, and see where the son found himself and And we would forget all about our own sin and we say that he deserved it. Or maybe we would say that he is just reaping the consequences of unwise choices. But that's the point. That's the point. When we live according to our own sinful desires instead of according to the holiness of God, according to his commandment, life doesn't work. Yes, there are. Instances that fly in the face of that. There are those who live sinfully according to their own desire and find themselves prospering. But I would tell you this morning, do not let that do not let that hinder your obedience. Because the sight of, of the evil prospering, that is more terrifying. It is a sign that God has given them over to their desires. God has walked away from them. For the prodigal son, he lived a life of disobedience and he reaped the fruit of that disobedience. But there at the bottom, there at the bottom is where we see grace. Because this youngest son who was experiencing the curses due him for his disobedience, he came to a point of repentance. He came to a point of return. And upon his return, his father received him back from his his wandering, and, and he received him back with great joy. He didn't receive him back saying, well, it's about time you came to your senses. No, he ran to him with open arms. And he celebrated his return. Do you see the blessings and curses that accompany our covenantal obedience or disobedience? They do not negate grace. They are meant to draw us back to the Father's grace. The Father's loving embrace in the the story of the prodigal son is meant to picture the heavenly Father's grace. Grace. But know this, His grace is not cheap. Our Heavenly Father did not merely turn a blind eye to sin. In the story of the prodigal son, there was an older brother. And the older brother in the story of the prodigal son trusted in his own righteousness, his own perceived righteousness, and experienced no blessing of intimacy with his father. It was an obedience apart from relationship. But in our prodigal story, yours and mine, we have a very different older brother. In our prodigal story, our older brother is Jesus. He, in fact lived with a perfect righteousness and an unhindered intimacy with his father. And our older brother honored his father by obeying perfectly, even to the point of death. His obedience was the ultimate act of grace because in his obedience, our older brother, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took our place on the cross Jesus took our punishment so that through our repentance and returning we might receive a reception of grace and through his grace we might receive the blessing of adoption into the family of God whereby we might live forever with unhindered intimacy crying out Abba Father Friends, the blessings and curses do not negate grace, but are in fact evidences of it. So let us see God's wisdom in the family and in society. Let us embrace and honor the authorities given us. and Let us enjoy the blessings of grace that have been earned for us by Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? Father, Heavenly Father, we praise you, we honor you. You are holy, you are weighty. So we pray that you would, through your Spirit, change our hearts to see and honor the authorities that you have given us that you would change our hearts to be worthy authorities, all that you might be glorified and that we might be blessed. Do this, we ask, in Christ's name. Amen.